Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, solar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Now they're happy because it warmed up a little bit here. It's not Arctic temperature in Florida anymore. It warmed up to the mid seventies today, so they are happy. A couple of nights ago, it was brutal. I mean, it was like it was. uh, It was. was Parka weather and insulated underwear. That's right. (laughs) Nasty, nasty weather here. Yeah. So, uh, but now, like I say, got up to seventy-five today, I think, and and so we're we're ready for it. Over. Uh, yeah, it, it's you know, and the sad thing is, this is only the first of December. I mean, we still got all December and January and February to go through before we get all the threats of getting temperature below seventy. I mean, that's scary. Yeah. Normally, that's how it is, but uh, for some reason, twenty twenty has been messed up. Um, yeah, and we're heading into 2021, which I think 2020 is going to impede upon 2021. And you know, so yeah, we'll see. No guests tonight. It's just you're just going to have to listen to me tell you some news, some wine news, different things, and all that I found and and hit upon. All right. Yeah, all right. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and uh, things that we haven't. Haven't had an opportunity because we've had guests. Hope everyone in the United States had themselves a very nice Thanksgiving. And coming up the end of this month, we got uh, Christmas and New Year, which those are both Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are both Thursday nights, and so we won't have programs then. So as a program note, mark that those two dates will be skipped, so we won't have that. But uh, I... First thing I'm going to do, Mike, dig out. I'm going to let you handle this and explain all of it. The Joy's book and the online wine guide books, the white and red, and the movie and uh, the other book. uh, I can't Uh, think of his name. Jim, thank you. Um, Yeah, so we've got like, you know, four different things we want to promote. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you promote all four of those things to start with here. All right. Uh, well, we had, um, actually the show was back uh, October the 8th. We had Mark Johnson and Mark Ryan. They are co-directors of Wine and War, and I believe the website is wineandwar.com. Uh, but it is a um, kind of a, a documentary. Uh, I still haven't seen it. I, I would to, say. I guess I need to go. Yeah, documentary kind of. Uh, the uh, the war, uh, uh, the I forgot how to say it. The the um, I forgot what the tagline is, but it, it was it's about the the wine and the struggles and everything uh, in the Middle East and uh, particularly Lebanon. And uh, I know there's a a, a subtitle, um, and I'm going to find it here in a second, I, so as I can. Yeah, I can't in. think of it either. Yeah, that's why I gave it to you. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I'm. I'm Looking at it. the untold story of wine in the Middle East. There, there you, you go. go. And uh, it does talk about some some uh, uh, wars. It has uh, some interesting photos on the website. And uh, just you know, if you go to uh, uh, view the movie, you go to wineinthewar.com. There's links there. But uh, all proceeds will go to Cap uh, Ho C A P dash H O. It's a charity providing much needed aid to uh, children without insurance in Lebanon. Um, so that's a uh, that's a good uh, cause, and um, you can watch it 
Uh, there's a link at the very top, and you'll see a little uh, demo, I guess, of the movie right there. And that's an interesting shot there, but it's in the background. And you it's can, a great uh, movie. You can, great. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah. Ron saw it, and I, I still have yet yet to do that. Uh, then on October 15th, we had uh, Jim uh, Lochran on, and uh, we've had him on before. He's a certified wine educator and an author, and he put out two uh, short eBooks. Uh, one, the first one that came out is a 15-minute guide to red wine. It's only 28 pages, um, and like 6 through 21 is text, and 22 through 28 is – it's recommendations. And um, they're really good reads, uh, kind of like a field guide type thing you can take with you. You can uh, read it, uh, like I said, 15 minutes, and it's called 15-Minute Guide to Red Wine. And I believe this uh, – the 15-Minute Guide to White Wine should be out. I believe that one yeah, is – It is, uh, it is okay. out now. Um, yeah, I heard it was coming out a little later, but uh, uh, it's, it's only like $2.99 on Amazon, um, and there's also a, a wine list in it uh, for white wines, and uh, both of them, 15-minute guide to and then red wine or the white wine. Uh, very good. Very and, uh, interesting. Very enjoyable. And very mm-hmm. educational. So. Yeah, very well laid out and everything. Um, what else? And then uh, 29th of October, we had our Halloween special. It was a ooh. I'll just do it. You know, ooh. Ooh, we had Joy Nate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. She has a book. She has a book that came out. It's called The Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide, and that is on Amazon uh, bookstores. Uh, you can. Uh, it's in hard copy for the Kindle. Um, different formats and different. Uh, 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 I heard online uh, outlets were were having it as well as uh, your your big box. Uh, what do you call them? Bookstores. So uh, you can physically put your hands on this or read it on your, your e-reader. And uh, it's called the Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide by Joy Neighbors. And um, very interesting uh, topics there. And uh, we discussed that on October 29th. And uh, she is working. It, it, if I may the yeah, field guide, she, she suggests if you're doing genealogy, then it's a great tool to work with genealogy. So uh, if anyone out there is, you know, looking for family trees and looking stuff, her book is yeah. a, a companion that you could really use. Yeah, it's it's a great resource. There's a lot of uh, tips and and uh, and and it isn't just it's it's a lot about researching um, your uh, family, your roots, and and things like that, and and also about cemeteries and uh, cemeteries are not scary. They're not like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? That kind of thing. But uh, they're very interesting. And she does kind of uh, give you ideas of what some of the uh, symbology and, and uh, things mean uh, as well. If you, if you happen to, you know, enjoy that kind of thing and going through cemeteries and I, I've done it before. And, and there's a lot in there that we, you know, we're still, we're, we still don't know, but uh, there are a lot of symbolisms and, and things like that. And, and, and she she uh, she gets she gets with that as well. So it's a uh, genealogy um, and uh, a whole lot more. It's, it's and that's also and it says in the name a field guide. So uh, the Family Tree Cemetery field guide. Uh, check it out on Amazon, your bookstore, uh, neighborhood bookstore, um, maybe a specialty bookstore or and other online outlets as well. That was Joy Neighbors, and um, I think that is uh, nope. all I have. One for, more. No. Uh, one more book. Michael Brown, yeah, if that's the one, was on November 19th, and uh, he is the author of Pinot Rocks. Uh, he's also a winemaker, but uh, he has he has a book out, and we talked about that. He's also an audio book version of it uh, that uh, um, oh, it's on Amazon.com. Okay, any format, uh, audio format is great. Um, he started writing it about four and a half years ago. It was just released. Uh, in November, and it's now a number one bestseller on Amazon. So uh, check it out, and uh, that is from Michael Brown, and it's called Pino Rocks. And uh, I have not read that one. Pino, yes, yeah, Pino Noir, as in wine, yeah, as in the wine, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's. I have not read it myself, but uh, hey, you know, uh, being number one, very interesting, very entertaining, 
And hmm. if I may point out and interrupt you for a second here, if you want to listen yeah. to it on audio where somebody read William yep. William Shatner, uh yep. Mr. Uh, Star Trek himself Star Trek. is actually the yeah. person who reads the book. So yeah. that's uh, a big deal when you, when you have uh, William Shatner do that. You have a celebrity like that read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So. Uh, yeah, this is great. So we've had uh, quite a few. Uh, I mean, we also have had um, um, the the podcaster uh, right before the break. I guess we had. Uh, uh, Paul on from um, Wine Talks with Paul K, and uh, so that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, all, yeah. all the guests have been very enjoyable, and we love having he love has having guests on. His his uh, podcasts are uh, no particular time; he just throws them up, so you can check all those out through uh, Amazon yeah. or uh, YouTube, rather yeah. YouTube. So, yeah, he's got uh, the. I know you know, website for it but uh yeah check out the uh, wine talk wine talks podcast.com and uh ron you were invited to go on there at some point i don't know if you ever made yeah, it over I, there, but they're, uh, they're going to email me and so i'll find okay. out uh when i got a thing yeah. saying they will be in touch probably after the first of the year so uh, instead of yeah. now the uh holiday season upon us and uh so what Probably yeah. delay until after the first of the year, and then hop. I'm looking at being a guest on his show. So I'm looking forward right. to that. That was fun. It, he was a he was a lot of fun to talk to. We share a lot of similar <laughs> ideals and ideas and stuff. So that was very interesting to talk with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another podcaster out there. So yeah, yeah. had some uh, really great, really great guests this year, and uh, this year is already coming to a close. <laughs> it's amazing. It is. Yeah, we're getting toward the end. So. You know, there's and, and you know, as holiday gifts, uh, those books and all those. If you got anybody's interested in any of those, those would be great holiday gifts. Uh, and you don't have to, you know, hand them the physical book on any of those. Just go online, order it for them and stuff. So, great yeah. way to do it. But like you said, we've had some great guests and you know, very, mm-hmm. very proficient on writing and all that. So. So thank you. I'm glad you remembered all that stuff because I didn't. So. I have it written the top down. Of my head. I know. Yeah, I know I, you're very I, good about that stuff. You, you just pluck stuff right off the brain. Oh, that's right. <laughs> word for yeah. word almost. Yeah. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Every once in a while you, you stop and stutter just to show that, you know, it is word for word. You're not reading it. So you, you yeah. just, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, just pause and say, oh, let's see now. Oh, yeah, and then you go, yeah. That proves that he's not yeah. just reading it, just all from the oh, top no. of his head, all, all from memory. Yeah. So, funny. let's see, what are we going to Oh, uh, one thing I do want to say is be safe. I'm seeing things on the news and everything that we've set a new record today for the number of people that died in this country and number of people hospitalized and everything and it's scary and it's still scary and so be safe i you know it's i i don't i don't know how many listeners i have out there but i hate to lose any one of you so so stay safe and so you can listen to the program and a horrible wildfire in southern california I just noticed that on the news, too. I, it's burning structures. People are being asked to evacuate and all that. Some serious, serious fathers started with a little backyard bonfire, I, what they mentioned, and the winds came up and bought the trees and forests around it, and it has gone absolutely insane crazy now. So that's something else. And those fires... California has vineyards just about everywhere. And when you get a wildfire like that, there's a real good possibility that it could be affecting your vineyard or something. So uh, that's going on. And speaking of vineyards, smoke, like our guest two weeks ago told us, he's not buying many grapes because of the smoke, and it is a problem. The smoke taint and fires, and you really can't tell. They don't have a pre-test 
and the ones that they do, uh, the, the labs that do do the pretest are so busy that they can't take on any more and all that. So that's uh, some serious, serious problems out there with smoke taint. And the ones that are testing uh, that are, are out there being able to do the testing and all that are... Uh, the labs are doing the testing are so backlogged and so busy that it's just crazy for them. So, and which leads me into this little quick article here, and that's what I'm going to be doing, throwing out a whole bunch of little things for you tonight so you can have some some uh, information. Many California wineries will make no wine this year because of wildfire smoke. This is an article out of what? This is an article out of I have no idea what because my computer's acting up. Uh, subscribe. I don't want to just subscribe. I just want to read a little short article here. Uh, 99 cents for the first 26 weeks. How can I X out of this? Uh, cancel. cancel. You have to pay 99 cents. It's got, it has you now. <laughs> it has me now. It won't let me. It won't let me back out of this either. Let's see. Maybe that'll wow. do it. Okay. Uh, what does this say here? Well, I think it gave me another page. It gave me another page completely. That's not what I want. Oh well. Well, I'm just gonna get out of this completely. It's the San Francisco Chronicle, which is the big newspaper in the Bay Area, out in San Francisco. I used to subscribe to it years and years ago and when I lived out there. I like the San Francisco Chronicle, but I don't like them cutting in here and not letting me read this article to you. Uh, let's see. You going to do it again, Chronicle? It says, California's 2020 wildfire season will be remembered for its destruction and also for smoke, wildfire smoke. It does smoke taint. And it said that uh, there are many wineries and many growers that are unable to harvest and sell their wine because of smoke taint. A lot of wineries that usually buy from growers are not buying from them this year because of the fear of having bad grapes. And the, the I've talked to about smoke taint before. It referred to some past episodes. Recently, actually, right well, back in uh, uh, October, September, I've talked about smoke taint because of the fires out in California. And it's nasty stuff. There's a couple of labs that are doing some phenomenal testing on the grapes now. But it's not fast enough and not thorough enough to let every winery that all the vineyards and all that test. So it's... A problem, obviously, uh, a problem that uh, causing a lot of wineries not to be able to make wine this year because of the fact that they don't have the grapes. And some of them are doing small batches to try to control it that way. And if they can continue doing that, then they might come out with some wine. But overall, not a good year for vineyards and growers and any of that. The glass fire, that's what it was called, the glass, G-L-A-S-S, glass fire. That's the last real big one out in California. That affected a lot of vineyards. Uh, and the fire and smoke has uh, really caused major damage. They're talking of the vineyards and wineries alone, over $500 million in cost the the glass fire was a little more than 67,000 acres in northern california in the wine country it has damaged or destroyed nearly 30 wineries while affecting as much as 80% of napa valley vineyards so it's nasty nasty fire i don't know if you've heard too much about it all about it but I've been looking at stuff lately about uh, what it has done and how many wineries it has affected. And it was amazing. You don't hear much because here we are away from it, but it is all over. It started on September 27th, a fire near Calistoga. And uh, 
Calistoga's right in St. Helena affected numerous Elk Valley wineries. Some of the wineries affected right at the beginning, Fairwood, Fairwinds Estate Winery, Sterling, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of that. You should find that on shelves. Sterling Vineyards, Schramberg's Vineyards, uh, uh, Castella de Amorosa, Burgess Cellars, Chateau Boswell, Calistoga Ranch, and Meadowood Resort also was another place that had uh, uh, that had burned and caused damage. Uh, the uh, they said that uh, they've lost the wineries. Uh, Fairwood Fairwinds Estates co-owner Brandon Cheney said that uh, the uh, they lost their bottling line and uh, lost a brand new optical sorter that was delivered from France just two weeks previous. And they said the only silver lining is the fact that they have a 22,000 square foot wine cellar or wine cave, and everything inside of that has been safe. So that was the only lucky thing for them. The fire had damaged or destroyed 1,837 residential, commercial, and other buildings in Napa and Sonoma. And it is completely contained now. Uh, many cases, the flames were just problematic. It just blew through the ashes. The winds were high, and it just torched everything uh, that it was anywhere near it. The... Uh, uh, September, the Nevada, California-based Siante uh, California Grape Market Report commented, and I quote, even though in many cases there was no direct physical damage to vineyards and processing facilities, smoke exposure concerns had a substantial effect on the industry and consequences are being felt by ma- mainly coastal growers and the bulk wine market. In the bulk wine market, if y'all say, eh, but those are the, a lot of the wines that you buy has California grapes and California juice in it, and it's going to cause your prices to be affected because of it. So if you start seeing a little jump in your favorite bottle of wine, and it's because of the smoke and because of the fires. Uh, O's smoke from some distance uh, makes it miserable too. It doesn't have to be right on top of it. You don't have to have a fire down the street to affect the vineyard. All you need to do is have a fire that blows the smoke and the winds blow it around and you have a problem. Labs, like I said, have been inundated with the fall grapes and they're testing for smoke tank. Uh, but it still takes a couple of days to get the results back when and if they get around to it. But they're looking at anywhere from a six-week to two-month backlog on testing of the grapes. The, they're saying that California is enduring the, the worst fire uh, season that they've ever had in history. And because of it, the vineyards are being affected everywhere. And the grapes, not just... You know, you talk about a winery that has grapes. It's also a lot of growers out there that just grow four different wineries. Uh, we've talked to wineries over the past couple of months, three months here, and they've all mentioned we get it from this grower, we get it from that grower, and these are things that are hurting also. Uh, the uh, Cornell University Agri- Tech Lab said, California growers have been robbed of the healthy distraction of the annual harvest, a destabilizing and debilitating uncertainty on top of all the others. We on the East Coast counter blessings and send our support. So it's something that everyone needs to think about, something that is going to affect you. If you are a wine drinker, and you are because you enjoy this show and you enjoy drinking wine, you're going to start seeing a raise in cost because of all this. And so it will be affecting you directly in the fact that your wine is going to start costing more. And that's just, you know, what what it does, along with a lot of other things 
the wines. I mean, and it's loss of jobs, and there's a lot of stuff involved with it. We won't get into that. So, uh, let's see if there's anything I could say. I got just the bits and pieces of news for you here, and I'm picking out some of the stuff that I thought that you would enjoy. And okay, uh, nothing more on this particular topic here. So, of antioxidants make you healthier. This is something we're always talking about in different health factors and all that. Uh, Is wine health food? Yeah, we like to think so. We like to think that it's good for you, and I've read different articles, and I've read you different reports that wine is good for you. And I've also read you reports where they say that it's horrible, horrible. It's going to cause you to, you know, you know, get sick and die 10 years earlier and all sorts of stuff because it does nothing. Well, actually, it does. And mostly it has to do with antioxidants. And how do they help through the wine? Well, let me see if I can't help you a little bit understand this. And... Uh, a glass of red wine at dinner for the antioxidants, and uh, it's like a medicinal whiskey. Uh, is this really, really a thing? Yeah, it is. Uh, how do uh, antioxidants work? Okay, antioxidant compounds uh, fill in with free radical compounds, and it's the imbalanced molecules there. So the antioxidants fill fill the void in the missing uh, free radicals. So that is basically what it does. Antioxidants are molecules produced inside and outside of our bodies that prevent or slow damage to our cells. All right, cell damage leads to accelerated aging and disease. So. These antioxidant molecules are crucial to survival. We need the antioxidants. Basically, antioxidants protect against oxidative stress, which is implicated in many life-threatening conditions. Aging, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and brain functions all decline without getting the proper amount of uh, antioxidants to protect against the oxidative stress. Oxidative stress occurs when there are fewer antioxidants in the body than the reactive oxygen species. Okay, now that sounds odd, but basically it's an imbalanced molecules and free radicals are derived from molecular oxygen. Our bodies and the environment generate the interactive, the radical uh, molecule oxygens. So it's impossible to avoid them. It's going to be there. That's what's going to cause you to age. That's what's going to cause you know, problems and all that. Uh, this is abbreviated to ROS, so that's reactive oxygen species. ROS are unstable and seek stability by scavenging other cells, lipids, proteins, and DNA. That's why you ace. That's why you get sick, because these reactive oxygen species are looking for things to stabilize. They hunt for the electrons that are lacking and thus damage the cells. Basic, basic way to look at it now. One simple example is a roll of dominoes lined up, each one representing a stable molecule. ROS, our tennis balls, roll over and bump into the first domino, making it unstable and causing it to fall into the next one. The whole roll will eventually fall unless something intervenes and stops the cascade of destruction. Antioxidants are like the hand inserted between the dominoes. So we can assist our body in the struggle by supplementing the antioxidants that are naturally produced with other sources like red wine and white wine. That adds 
more antioxidants, so we have more of a hand to stop these things. Now, where do you find the antioxidants in red wine? Well, there's lots of different ways. Resveratrol. Now, this is the one that everybody got real hyped up and real big on. What was it, about five years ago, seven years ago? I don't know how long now, but everybody is taking pills and all sorts of stuff for the resveratrol. This comes from grape skins, and since grape skins are in contact with the red wine, not so much the white, this is another reason why red wine was always looked at as being better for health than white. Resveratrol has been said to increase your good cholesterol, your HDL, and reduce your bad cholesterol, uh, your LDL. Also, it's said to prevent blood clotting, and in very small amounts in wine, it can be found as a supplement. So that's one of the good things. Another thing that's good, you you can find antioxidants is in, I'm sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. These are from grape skin sun exposure, and many boost immunity and combat allergies. Quercetin is a type of tannin in wine, and again, red wine contains the tannins more so than whites do, so therefore that's another reason why reds are good for you. Another area of antioxidants is in tannins themselves. Several other tannin compounds may prevent microbial infections and protect DNA. And when different things start messing with your DNA, you're going to start getting problems. So that's why they bring that up. Another way to find antioxidants in wine is uh, catechin, C-A-T-E-C-H-I-N, or uh, epicatechin. It's a type of tannin from grape seeds and skins. In human trials, catechin and epicatechin lowered total cholesterol and increased good HDL cholesterol and changed bad cholesterol, uh, LDL, into good. So that's a, a good thing. And then another thing in red wines that's you can find antioxidants is in your proanthocyanin, and I destroyed that word, P-R-O-A-N-T-H-O-C-Y-A-N-I-D-I-N. This improves joint flexibility, improves blood circulation, prevents bacterial and viral infections, and combats allergies. So, oh my gosh, a glass of red wine a day can do so many good things for you, just getting the antioxidants back into your body. White wines also contain antioxidants, not nearly as much. Uh, Glutathione may protect against the damaging effects of toxic chemicals in the environment and help prevent cancer. And caffeic acid may prevent heart disease and kidney complications associated with it. That is found in white wine. So, still not an exact science. We don't know exactly how much and how the wine works and works with antioxidants and all that stuff, but it is there. And we know that the body needs a supplement of antioxidants and food sources in different ways. And so, therefore, wine is a good way to do it. Consume in moderation. We're not saying you should sit down and drink gallons of wine. Although sometimes during life you almost feel like you need to, but the CDC recommends no more than one drink per day for women and two drinks per day for men. That is the CDC recommendation. Um, you know, it's it's got antioxidants in it, reds and all that. So you know, pace yourself, drink in moderation. Don't drive and drink and all that, but. It is good for you. Antioxidants and wine are good for you. And it has been proven that it's a good thing. So and we're always saying, you know, some say, no, that's not, you know, red wine's bad. No, no, no it's not. It's, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Please remember that. Okay. Now, let me move on to something else here. Uh, phylloxera. 
Phylloxera has had a breakthrough. Now, Phylloxera, if you uh, announce now, you can go back and pick up some old shows. I talked about Phylloxera a lot, but Phylloxera is a small mite that gets into the grapevines. It is destructive, uh, what, wipes out uh, vineyards. It could destroy vineyards. And it did in Europe back in the late 1800s. It destroyed the vineyards there. If planted on American rootstock, phylloxera is usually not a problem. Uh, the insect that causes the plague uh, will not bother the American rootstock, and so therefore it doesn't survive. But phylloxera does make a comeback every once in a while, and because of that, then we have to be constantly monitoring what we're doing with it. So, that being said, a breakthrough study in Europe could open the door to the end of phylloxera. So says an end might be in sight for the long-running war between the vineyard owners and phylloxera. The bottom line, the genome of the phylloxera, an insect that causes the plague, and devastated the wines in Europe, has remained a potent threat ever since it uh, has been mapped. Oh, uh, that remained a potent threat is now the genome has been mapped by an international team involving researchers from the Institute for Integrative Systems Biology, which is part of the University of Valencia. Uh, the work opens the way for changing how viticulturists combat the pest, and it could eventually lead to resistant rootstocks, eliminating the need for costly grafting. And that's what happens now. Everything, Vitus vinifera, which is the European grape variety, all of them are grafted onto American rootstock, because that's where phylloxera originally was traced back to America. And the grapevines in America grew up with phylloxera, and so as nature does, it created antibodies and is not affected by phylloxera. So now everywhere in the world is planted on American rootstock. There's basically five different types of rootstock that are more widely used than anything else. But there are everything's planted on American rootstock. And they're grafted onto American rootstock. Now Grafting on a grapevine onto another rootstock does not affect the outcome of the grapevine. I always like to compare it to taking my vascular system, my blood system and everything, and transplanting it into you. You do not become me. You just have a new blood system, and that's all there is to it. Any more so than uh, blood infusions and all that change you. It doesn't. It's just you're still you. And that's the same thing with grafting. You just you can graft anything onto a rootstock, and it will grow up to be what is the above the ground. Uh, it's always fun to do grafting. If you want to play, get yourself some coleus. Uh, it's just a plant, and coleus are very good about grafting. You can you can graft red coleus leaves onto a green coleus plant, and just you know, look up grafting, and it's a very simple process. And you can have yourself a plant with red leaves and green leaves, or purple, whatever. That gives you an idea of how how it's done. But when you're grafting a whole vineyard, that is time-consuming and expensive. So they're saying that with this new thing, they uh, this new study has shown that it might lead to the grapevines of all plants being resistant to uh, the pest, the phylloxera pest. Uh, the phylloxera, also known as phylloxera vastatric, uh, is a hemipterian insect uh, that feeds on the sap that obtains from the roots of the vine. So it... Uh, you know, uh, first found uh, around the Mississippi area uh, of the United States and transferred to France in 1863 and uh, identified in 1868, but it's 
became a a problem worldwide, and people are constantly monitoring that. Now, the sequence of the phylloxera nuclear DNA reveals the existence of the largest gene family ever identified in a genome with around 2,700 genes. When 200 are rare, rarely exceeded, this has 2,700 in the insect's genome. Oh, my gosh. Um, it says probably essential for interaction between phylloxera and the vines, and so it has developed all these extra genomes, our uh, uh, extra genes in the genome. So it's really crazy. But with this information, they're saying that it could very possibly lead to resistant roots and resistant plants and stop phylloxera basically in its tracks, which is a big yay. If that could be done, then it won't have to worry about it, and it wouldn't be so expensive to get out there and plant a vineyard when you know that once it gets so big, you're going to have to put a new, a new root system on it. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, nope. Okay, let's get out of this. Let me find something else I want to talk to you about. Thanks, sure. Let me see. Be sure I get everything. Okay. Um, no, that's not it. My computer's acting up. It's running slow. I mean, really, really slow. And uh, I just wiped that out completely. It won't be as 
large, but you will notice it, and if you notice it, put it down in your notes. What do you look for in wine? You look for the body. Okay, now this is how the body is how the wine feels in the mouth. It, uh, it's just the mouthfeel, the texture, and you heard the term mouthfeel. All mouthfeel is is the texture of a wine. Uh, compare it to milk, okay, and I always, I've done this before. Uh, I tell people, when you drink a milk, the, the body of a wine is like skim milk. If you take skim milk, that's a real light, thinner style wine. Whereas if you drink whole milk or even milk with cream in it, that's going to be a heavier wine. You're going to taste more of the body of it that way. So if it's uh, if it's whole milk, then that's a heavier body. If it's 2%, that's a lighter body. And then that's just a, a good way to compare and look at it. It's the, uh, the texture is the mouthfeel. Okay, tannins. Now, tannins sometimes is a little bit harder to get a understanding of. Does tannins fills your mouth with little little dryness, little uh, a, a little uh, like somebody sucked all the all the air out of your mouth and it's just sort of a uh, a dry feeling in your mouth. Or if you are outside doing stuff and you get this dry, dry taste in your mouth. That's tannins. That's a good way to look at tannins. It's just a dryness that seems to come into your mouth. Uh, it's, it usually fills your mouth. Uh, you get tannins also in a little bit of the aftertaste. Now, you're going to get the tannins in the red wines. You're not going to get it in the white wines because tannins come from the seeds and skins. And the white wines, that stuff's usually removed. Then acidity. Now, this is something that most people confuse with tannins. The acid in a wine and the tannins. The tannins and acid are different. Acid is the tartness or the puckering in the wine. Uh, it's, it's not tannin. Tannin is a different feeling. Tannin is like a dryness, but the acid is that little bite. Uh, a, a lemon, lime, something like that. That is acid. You're going to get more acid in a lemon or lime than you are a pineapple or a watermelon. So you want to know how much acid. Some people are very sensitive to acid. You put just a little bit higher acid in the wine, and some people will go, oh, oh, and just you know, really feel it. Other people won't. A lot of winemakers, and I, I say this not to criticize, I say this simply, simply to explain, a lot of winemakers like to have a little bit higher acidic wine. They want that bite. They want you to do a little shiver when you when you uh, first taste it. And that's the acid that's coming out. That's, uh, some people like the acid. A lot of winemakers like the acid. I... I like a little bit of acid. I don't want the acid to be missing because if the acid is missing, then it's like opening a or leaving a can of soda left out all night. And then you come in and you sip and you go, oh, this is flat. Uh, wine does taste a little flat with no acid. So you've got to have the acid there, but sometimes the acid is a little bit higher. So uh, that's, you know, something else to look for. So look for the body and the... Uh, acid and the tannins in the wine if it's a red wine and then the finish you want a soft finish uh you want a nice one that goes on and sort of disappears you want a tart and tangy finish one that bites your tongue that you think oh well this is uh this is pretty good i like this this is you know reminds me of the wine i just had or do you want a a juicier, fresh finish. A lot of times, sweeter wines will give you the juicier, fresh finish and when you finish it off. So uh, these are things that you need to look at also. So just remember to make yourself notes of each of the different areas of it and also be sure to note 
what the wine is, the year, the cost, all this stuff. And then if you need to refer yourself to something that you've had, then that's the way to do it. You've had it. You know know what it is and all that. And so you can look at that again and uh, may save you some hassle and some searching. Okay, uh, well, here, maybe this has the list of all the wineries that were damaged by the glass fire. I saved some stuff here to share with you. And, yeah, okay. The most damaged, is this, this is our list, the most damaged wineries by the glass fire that impacted Napa area was these falling wineries, Barron's Family Winery, Burgess Cellars, Dutch Henry Winery, Eden Vineyards, E-E-D-E-N, Eden Vineyards, Fairwinds Estate Winery, Flying Lady Winery and Estate, Hourglass Winery, Ritchie Creek Vineyard, Sherwin Family Vineyards, Spring Mountain Vineyards, Sterling Vineyards, Tufanelli Vineyards, Tuck Bextoffer Vineyards, and Newton Vineyards. These all were severely damaged during the fire. So if you don't see those, if those are some of the ones you've, you've seen, you've tasted, you are familiar with, you probably won't see those until next vintage because I'm sure they will rebuild, but it will not be right now. It will probably be be built and have the next vintage out in a year or two. So if you're looking for something like that, then look for the uh, look for something else. You know, you can listen to my list again. I guess we're on archives. All right. Um, Let's see. Oldest winery yet found in Lebanon has been unearthed. Again, we refer back to the Lebanon movie, Wine and War. Well, a 2,600-year-old Phoenician wine press in remarkable state of preservation, as Article said, has been unearthed in Lebanon. And it's the oldest example of a wine press in that country that they found yet. It's from the 7th century B.C. Uh, It was discovered at Tel el-Barak, which is five miles south of the city of Sidon on the coast. And it included two large plaster-lined basins, one above the other. Grapes would be put into the big one. Uh, to be crushed, and they would flow out of that into the smaller one and the lower basin. Then that would be collected and transferred to jars and to vats or amphoras for fermentation and transportation. And the uh, something, you know, along the line of olive presses, really, that's the you know, a good good example of you know same style with olive presses. Uh, further analysis of pottery and seeds discovered at the site confirmed it was wine that was being produced there and not olive oil. Uh, the wine press was uncovered along with six houses in the area, and the collection bases had a capacity of 1,200 gallons. Uh, pretty pretty large operation for the time. Uh, the uh, Canaanite winemakers were employed by Egypt's pharaohs to manage their vineyard and to make the wine for them. So it was a sanctioned by the by the pharaohs to do this and make the wines. And they uh, throughout the Mediterranean they said that this was being done. But this is the earliest one that they found in Lebanon. It was. Uh, uh, figured around 2,600 years ago that this was being in operation. So pretty exciting thing there. Wine's been around forever, if you really think about it. I always like to say that I think the the first first wine ever 
discovered was probably by cavemen who went out and grabbed a bunch of grapes that they found growing wild and threw a little indentation in the cave and went out hunting for the woolly mammoth. And when they came back, these grapes, which contained their own yeast, uh, had fermented and they discovered, wow, this is really pretty good stuff here. So, so it's... Uh, you know, wine's wine's been around for for a very very long time here. But two thousand seven hundred years ago in Lebanon, uh, wine wine press. Okay. Well, that's uh, for next week. I have to tell you that. Uh, looking through these realities of smoke. Is this? We've been talking so much tonight about smoke, taint, and smoke. Here's another article. Uh, This is out of uh, Oregon newspaper, the Oregon Wine Press. And this is talking about the realities of smoke and the potential impact. Uh, Not all wine grapes have been affected by smoke, but those that have await the final word on the severity of the impact. Uh, It says, smoke damage to Oregon's Willamette Valley and Southern Oregon's vineyards is a certainty. Over one million acres of fires burned nearly twice the average for Oregon. Now, this is Oregon. This isn't California. Oregon was hit hard, too. The forlorn words of the Baldwin family, proprietors of DePonte Cellars in the Dundee Hills sound typical for most of the wineries. It said, due to the tragic wildfires that are throughout our beautiful state, we have been under a heavy blanket of smoke for over a week. The air quality in our valley has ranked as the worst in the world day after day. Our enduring efforts at DuPont Center on the quality of our wine and that principle is that guides our decision to not produce Pinot Noir from our estate vineyards in this vintage. And that's happened a lot. 19 Napa Valley wineries have been damaged or destroyed. More than 200 wineries received evacuation orders. And it just it goes on and on uh, telling about that. The information uh, about smoke taint, a lot of it's obtained from uh, Wine Australia because Australia's done some extensive uh test and all that, and also ETS laboratories. Uh, ETS is a great lab. They have a lot of stuff there, and they do a great job. But the uh, repeat exposures to smoke during the growing season has a cumulative effect. So just because it went out and you get another one later, that, that just like a continuing uh, a wine containing smoke taint can be a subtle can be subtle initially but stand out over time. Usually the longer the wine is in the bottle, the more likely it will show smoke taint. A major concern for winemakers is that a wine may seem fine when bottled but can develop noticeable smoke taint features as it ages. You know, so you know, oh this is okay and then you know, a couple of years, you start getting smoke chain. You don't want that in your wine, obviously. Washing grapes and reducing maturation time for red wines do not reduce smoke taint. can sometimes help mask some of the smokiness, and that's oak is used to mask a lot of stuff, I hate to say. Risk of smoke taint is greatest close to harvest with only a low to medium risk up to that point, up to the point of rising. The fuel source of the smoke is of unknown significance. Some researchers have said it does not matter, while others have stated that the various fuels can result in a different expression of smoke taint due to different absorbed smoke-related odor and flavor compounds. So we don't know, but you know, it, it's going to give you different types of of uh, <laughs> flavors. The closer the vines are to smoke, the greater the risk of smoke taint. The fires do not have to be closed by to impact fruit quality. Other risk factors include the age of the smoke, 
Fresh smoke is much worse than weeks-old smoke. And length of smoke exposure, geography, and weather conditions. All these have effects on and all these can cause problems. And let's see. Repeat exposure is a cumulus. I just read that. There is no carryover effect on grapes exposed to heavy smoke between growing seasons. But the growth and yields of vines may decrease the following year. So it doesn't just all of a sudden, and that's it, you know, it's going to affect it next year. Pinot Noir is more susceptible to smoke taint than Chardonnay, Syrah, or Cabernet Sauvignon. Pinot Noir clusters have thin, delicate skins, the source of the wine's complex and exotic flavors, making smoke exceptionally damaging. And individual tester thresholds for smoke taint vary due to DNA determined taste sensors and the mouth microflora. Up to 20% of people cannot taste smoke flavors in wines, others find unpalatable. So it just depends on you, too, how, how bad the smoke taint is or how bad the wine is. So these are all things that, you know, in smoke taint, uh, it's it's serious, serious, serious stuff. And after these fires we've had, it's something that's still going to be around, still going to be talked about and all that for some time. Uh, the spotted lanternfly, I, we've, another thing we've talked about, and just a little update on that, they found the spotted lanternfly in Oregon, uh, also Virginia. Uh, two areas that has not been found before is now the spat, uh, spotted lanternfly is there. Uh, I did a whole show on the spotted lanternfly when it was in Pennsylvania. I did the show a couple of years ago, I guess, and now I said it's serious and we need to watch it. It's going to grow, and it has. It has spread and it is spreading. So, uh, uh, in fact, Smithsonian Magazine even ran a front-page article of uh, on the spotted lanternfly, and so it's something that is around. But they found it in Oregon and in Virginia. They are now also training dogs to detect it. Uh, the uh, dogs are walked through vineyards, and they can detect if there is a spotted lanternfly by their smell, and it's not the sight, but by their smell, which is a good thing. But the spotted lanternfly goes through. A four-stage life cycle, and they said the dog can detect it three of those four stages, but the egg stage is undetectable. So as of now, so I don't know if they've gotten better, better nose dogs or what they're doing, but that is something that they're they've got dogs trained to do that. And something else I want to tell you quickly here before we go again. To ease up things, uh, make wine less intimidating. Mouthfeel is nothing but texture in the mouth. If someone, if someone says mouthfeel, think texture. If someone says bouquet, think smell. Oh, this has a great bouquet. Well, this has a great smell. I mean, it's the same thing, only, you know. And legs in the wine, that's the weight. Again, think milk. That's a good way to do it. You can have 2% legs or you can have whole milk legs, but it's the weight of the uh, of the wine. And i got a lot more to talk about, but it's 8 o'clock. Actually, it's four minutes past 8. And I don't think we're going to have a guest next week. As far as I know right now, I've been in discussions with them, and I, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But if not, I'll have more stuff to talk to you and tell you about next week. Next week, December the 10th is our December next show, seven days from today, uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, thank you all for, for tuning in. It was a lot of information. And, and uh, as always, let's see what, uh, make sure I have everything. Yeah, I was filling in the legs or the weight. Okay, good. Um, right. So, uh Thank you all for tuning in, and if you'd like to get in touch with the show or you want to be a guest uh, and you're in the wine industry or, or an author about wine or a blogger about wine, uh, we've had those as well. You can uh, 
Contact the show, All About Wine 101 at gmail.com. Okay, do that, and uh, Ron will get back to you, and we'll schedule, schedule you for a future show. Do not get in chat and say, hey, I want to be on the air right now. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's, there's a Guarantee vetting, you. There is a yeah. <laughs> You have to be vetted before you get on here. That's right. Yeah. 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 You and definitely you can, do. You can thank some, you can thank some uh, particular others that have tried that and uh, for for making that requirement, no, unfortunately. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, December be 10th. safe out there. Yeah. Pick up the Absolutely. book that uh, Mike was telling yeah. you about at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, very worthwhile reading and the movie as well. So, uh, uh, yeah. We'll tell you about them again next week, I'm sure. So uh, thank you again, yes, and we'll see you next week at 7 p.m. Eastern. See you next week. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. (laughs) 